All right, everybody. Welcome in episode 11 of the Super Subs. Myself from a new location, snowy East Lansing. Andy, I think you're just in uh, slightly snowy Chicago still, right? Yes, slightly snowy, very, very cold. Nothing slight about the the cold out here. (laughs) Well, hey, it's great to talk to you again. I hope you had an amazing Christmas. Yes, definitely, definitely had to, got to see some time with the, the fam, got to have a little bit of a respite from all the soccer. So hopefully you were able to have the cleanse before we go right back into club soccer, which is going to be coming thick and fast and it's going to be the summer before we know it. I know. It's crazy. Yeah, no, I definitely took a, took a little bit of time off from soccer this past week, just kind of relaxed. Like you said, enjoyed, enjoyed time with the fam and, you know, now it's time to, dive headfirst into the deep end back into club season club soccer yes. so are you ready i i think i am so it's <laughs> kind of crazy the other thing too because we're nearly halfway through the season or already halfway through the season so before as we're kind of like reflecting on the new year i wanted to ask you for for the podcast how are you feeling uh, for the thoughts for the rest of the season for your club heading into the new year and hopefully closing out the 2022-2023 season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, like I mentioned before, the fact that Barcelona went into the international break, the World Cup break, leading La Liga was huge, especially with all the injuries, right? You can go back uh, five, six episodes, and we, we talked about that. But... Mm-hmm. I'm optimistic, honestly. Barcelona did not have any injuries during the World Cup break, like Barcelona players, which is amazing, Mm -hmm. right? Especially compared to the last international break where where they had, they slash we had all those injuries. So the fact that we made it through without any issues was like, (laughs) I'm just breathing a sigh of relief, you know? Yeah. Um, But... I think the the January transfer window is really big for Barcelona. Um, they still have some contract issues, some money issues here and there that they've been trying to resolve. So we're going to have to see if they can do that and also try to find a way to fill the right back position. I think that's Barcelona's biggest weakness. I think that's something that that we're going to have to address in this transfer window if Barcelona has a chance to win the league. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm interested to see, um, and we'll kind of get into that a little bit later in the show when we talk about the the transfer window coming up here. But um, that's kind of my thoughts on Barcelona. I'm I'm optimistic. I think we have a really good shot to win the league this year, especially since we are halfway through the season and winning the league as it stands. So I'm interested to see how that goes. Um, Andy, how about Definitely. you with Manchester United? We have had a lot of turmoil throughout mm-hmm. the World Cup with everything going on with Ronaldo, Ronaldo leaving, you know, the fallout with Ten yeah. Hag and everyone at Manchester United, the exit letter. <laughs> what mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on all of that? Yeah, so it's very funny because when you mentioned turmoil, it's like, yeah, a lot of this was self-inflicted turmoil. Um, so honestly, I am kind of glad that, you know, what has happened has happened because – at least from my perspective, with Lionel Messi going on to win the World Cup with Argentina, I think that really silenced the aspect of Ronaldo and how he has to dominate now the the media. And now the media Mm -hmm. is focused on that and focused on a very big feel-good story, so they can talk less about what's happening on 
Ronaldo or what other things are surfacing from then. Um, cause Ten Hag's still been getting questions about it. Uh, but most of it, the, uh, uh, the rumors coming out, there is, there is ready to go on, like the right to move on, which I'm, I'm happy to do. But like you, very interested to see if for this next coming season or the rest of this season, how the World Cup is going to be affecting teams moving forward because we had yeah. so much turmoil, at least in the Premier League. Uh, looked like there was a bit of turmoil, not as much in, uh, La Liga with Barcelona still ahead, uh, leading the, leading the table that we'll see, you know, if injuries are going to make an appearance, if we're going to see some teams have a very, very hard, hot start and then cool off again with a little bit of a, little bit of a break. So this could be a, one of the craziest ends to a season. So very excited to see what happens, uh, from that. Yeah. Yeah, and I like what you mentioned, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how players react after the World Cup, right? Especially teams from France, Argentina, Croatia, Morocco, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the teams that advanced further and have more minutes on their bodies with, you know, a week break, basically, right, between the end of the World Cup and the start Mm -hmm. of the the club season again. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out, you know. Are we going to see injuries from people like Rodrigo de Paul, uh, Di Maria, who was already kind of banged up, Messi, who was, you know, played every single minute of every single game throughout the entire World Cup, mm. you know, just to name a couple of examples. So, you know, in France had all these injuries going into the tournament. How does that play out with, you know, N'Golo Kante, Paul Pogba, Karim Benzema, you know, those sort of things. So it'd be Definitely. really, really interesting to see. Since it is, since it was a tournament in the middle of the season, how that plays out down the stretch. Yeah, definitely. And I think even to those teams, you know, in France and Argentina, there were a lot of players from both of our teams in there. Um, I know for my end on United, there was the main defender for France, uh, Rafael Varane, who had worked so hard to come off injury and in, with United to play in the World Cup in France. You know, where is his mental state going to be at after? having an exhausting cup and losing at the last stages uh, versus Lissandro Martinez, who is on the opposite end of that, of worked through this whole uh, World Cup and is now a World Cup champion. So where's yeah. his mindset going to be coming in? Can he get back and try to fight again and achieve something even uh, just as good, probably a little bit less than the World Cup because the World Cup's still pinnacle of things you can win, I think, in, the, in soccer. So really yeah. interested to see how this how this all uh, combines up. So speaking speaking of that, coming back into it, we have our first game uh, on Barcelona's end. Barcelona is facing Espanyol, who sits 16th in the table versus Barcelona at number one. So, Paul, how do you see Barcelona reacting now coming back to club soccer? How do they start their second half of yeah. the season? Uh, I, I wanted to just go back real quick to the Varane thing because Varane did get hurt in, in extra time of that world cup final. Mm -hmm. So it's not only the mental aspect, you know, like we were mentioning, mentioning the physical aspect too, right. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's going to play a part, if that injury is going to linger at all, but you know, like you were saying, he worked so hard to get in form to play for France and make this magical run. And then he injures himself in the last game. It's like, well, you know, how is that going to play out, right? And I think that's going to be the story, like we mentioned, for a lot of players. So, um, definitely. But yeah, with with Barcelona, 
Um, you know, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad we are easing into the club play again against a team that's lower in the table. You know, I think you have some guys who got good minutes, you know, Memphis Depay, Lewandowski, Pedri, Gavi, Busquets, guys who were able to still stay on, you know, somewhat form, right? And that's another side of this, right? We were mentioning all the all the things with injuries and fatigue and things like that, but then you got to look at the other guys who haven't played in weeks, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, I, in the Premier League, Erling Holland, right, who didn't get to play in the World Cup, how is he going to come out? Is he going to be rusty or is he going to be right back on form with where he was? But, mm-hmm. you know, with Barcelona, a lot of the players were playing for the Spanish national team. Um, they got a good mix of, of both a break since they got out early against Morocco and also a lot of games in, a lot of minutes in earlier in the tournament. So I think Barcelona is going to come out rusty. Lewandowski, I think, is going to score again. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just glad, like I mentioned earlier, no one was injured in this international break. And the biggest thing is um, Koundé looked really good for France, which I was very happy with. Mm-hmm. And Ronald Araujo, who has been our star defender, who has been out for the last couple of months, is going to be is looking like he's going to be back for that first game on the 31st against Espanyol. So really, really positive. Things are trending in the right direction for Barcelona to start the second half of the season. So I'm really looking forward to that. I think Barcelona is going to eke by with a 2-1 win. I think they're going to look very rusty, uh, kind of like how they did in, that, in the first game of the season. But I think they're going to come out with a dub. So um yeah. I'm I'm really really happy that club soccer is back in because international soccer is great, but something about club soccer, it, it, two different dynamics, right? But I'm I'm excited. Mm. <laughs> I really very am. very very much so. It's going to be so interesting to see the quality difference uh, again of facing teams that are bottom half of the league. Not saying mm-hmm. that they are so poor quality, but when you're in the World Cup, these are the best of the best. Uh, from each nation. So they already have high technical skills, high decision-making skills, and the soccer ends up being a little bit more, a little bit less chaotic because people play more reserved because everyone's trying to respect each other. Where in the league, yeah. no one has to respect each other for anything because you have players that can't not hit a cross field ball on uh, with pinpoint accuracy. So it'll be, it'll be very fun to see with club soccer again, just the, the chaotic nature of it. Uh, as well as the storylines, because even with Araujo coming back, you know, always on paper, it may seem, okay, you got your best defender coming back. When your best defender is coming back in, they're going to show up defense. All of a sudden, something might happen. Either another person gets an injury or Araujo doesn't start in the same vein or has the same chemistry as the rest of the defense. So that could, that could throw some stuff off. So still, still things to see, not trying to jinx Araujo again, but it'll be very, (laughs) it'll be very cool. Don't, don't put that on him. We, we we slash he does not need any more injury time, but no, it's a really great point. I mean, you know, Araujo hasn't played in a couple months. He's been, you know, on the mend, everything's been looking really good for him. But like you're saying, you know, chemistry with other guys, getting back into the flow of the game. And Espanyol is going to be hungry to pick up some points against a team that they probably wouldn't normally be able to beat in the regular flow. Like if this game were to take place mm-hmm. four or five weeks later, right? So great point. You know, everyone's going to be hunting Barcelona and Real Madrid throughout the rest of the season in this league because they're the top teams. And I think these first couple of games are, are the chance to get some of these points back. So, you know, I think that's yeah. a really good so- point from you. 
Yeah, so yeah, it's gonna be very, it's gonna be very cool to see how these young, or these smaller scrappier teams face up against the big giants thinking that, you know, this is a prime time to get them when they're still trying to figure out how to play again with each other with teams that didn't necessarily have anyone go into the World Cup and they were able to, you know, train for it a little bit separately and work tactically and kind of have a battle plan going in for three weeks for their next, uh, uh, for their, uh, excuse me, their next opponent. So speaking of United's next opponent, um, we have United going up against Nottingham Forest tomorrow. Uh, we're filming this on, uh, Boxing Day or recording this on Boxing Day. Um, United have just come off a League Cup victory from last week. Uh, English soccer doesn't believe in breaks. So <laughs> right after the World Cup, uh, <laughs> Uh, after the World Cup final, uh, there was a game within within a week uh, for the League Cup, which is a very small little cup played from, uh, I don't even know. It's just called the League Cup. No one really cares about it, except if you want to win a trophy, you can win a basically a free trophy <laughs> in the first part of the season. Um, but in any case, I picked up a win against Burnley. Pretty easy 2-0 victory. Uh, big storyline from there, at least from the United perspective, is Rashford had a magnificent uh solo goal run where he sprinted halfway down the field with the ball weaving in between defenders uh going straight for the jugular um and then on his right hand side cutting a little bit onto his left foot to uh hit a uh shot into the far right corner so gets everyone excited again if Rashford potentially has to play on the right hand side as opposed to where he started with England and most of the United games this season on the left, but good to see that a fit and firing uh, Rashford is is happening. Um, so going into the Nottingham Forest game, it looks like uh, we are going to go up against our former, I would say, talisman in Jesse, aka Messi Lingard, uh, who now plays for Nottingham Forest. Still is friends with Marcus Rashford on the team. Still is has other connections, even with Bruno Fernandez. So it'll be interesting to see two friends, how they go at it. If, uh, Lindgaard gets respected in the game, or if he, if he does end up scoring, is he going to celebrate, uh, or is he going to pay respects to, to United? Uh, so we'll, we will see how that goes. Forrest is lower in the table. So expecting, expecting a two, I'd say a two nil victory. Uh, but this is again United. We're coming back from a uh, crazy World Cup. So if it turns the other way, if it's two nil Nottingham Forest, you know that's that's the way the cookie's going to crumble. So I can't couldn't complain on that. But looking forward to hopefully a comfortable victory against uh, a whole forest of trees in Nottingham. <laughs> yeah, Nottingham Forest like ended league play right before the World Cup pretty strongly coming up with some mm-hmm. some results against some of these <laughs> bigger teams, right? Arsenal and, and the likes of them. So, you know, like I was mentioning before in La Liga, I think it's going to be the same in the Premier League. I think over these next couple of weeks, we're going to see some shocking results. So hopefully for for your sake with Manchester United, it's not, uh, it's not a loss or a draw because, you know, as we stand right now, uh, at least last time I checked, Arsenal was struggling at the top of the table against West Ham and actually it's halftime right now and West Ham's up one nil. 
So, yes. you know, I, I, like I've been saying, I think we're going to have some craziness over these next couple of weeks before all the teams kind of settle down. I should say the top teams settle down and get back into the groove that they were in before the World Cup. So, you know. Yeah, 100%. So this will be exciting time to see, see back into, into club football. The other reason why it's so exciting, exciting too, is that we have the January transfer window. And for those, uh, that don't know about the January transfer window, this is sort of like the trade deadline in baseball or the off a little bit like off-season trading in other sports where this is a set time period where clubs can negotiate with other clubs to purchase players. So this is going to run from the 1st of January to uh, January 31st. Yeah. Yeah, and it's – like you were mentioning, it's, it's a really interesting time because unlike, you know – baseball, basketball, football that have, you know, times during the year where you can trade when it's like, you know, months on end and then, you know, halfway to two thirds of the way through the season, it stops. Soccer's different where you have transfer windows in the summer and in the winter. So Mm -hmm. you have a time before the season and then halfway through the season and then that's it. Those are your times to get the players that you need. And then if you don't get them, you have to wait another six, five, six months to get the players that you want. So You've got teams who are looking to pick up some guys that they couldn't in the summer transfer window or pick up some of the players that were really hot in the World Cup that are in really good form. So, mm. you know, kind of speaking of those guys, we saw Jude Bellingham from from the England national team who currently plays for Borussia Dortmund had a really good tournament and was is definitely one of the hottest players right now. You know, Andy, where do you see him going amongst the three teams that are interested in him? You know, there are rumors abound because uh, whenever you're probably playing for England and a high a high caliber player for England, you're being mentioned in all the top uh, top teams. So there are rumors uh, from Liverpool. There are rumors for uh, Manchester City. Uh, there are rumors even for Real Madrid. Um, I'm thinking it's most likely going to be an English club uh, because they're going to be the ones to have the money. I would say of the three those three clubs. I would say that Manchester City have the funds to make Jude Bellingham a player for their team. I know Liverpool is being a little bit more uh, diplomatic with their signings now that their owners have announced that they are looking to uh, either sell the club, refinance the club. So Mm -hmm. that is probably going to put Manchester City to have some... uh, or be favorites to land Jude Bellingham. But I think definitely he's going to go. He's probably the most likely candidate that I could see going this or going because of his impact in, uh, in the world cup. He had already been performing very well in championship league games before this, but now having Mm -hmm. seen championship league games where he's playing against the best clubs in Europe. Now he was playing against the best teams in the world and he was yeah. standing head and shoulders above a lot of midfield players. I think he's he's going to he I would say is going to be bought in this January transfer window. Uh he's he is going to go either to City or they're going to wait till the summer uh where City will probably probably snag him. And that's if United don't try to try to go for him, but I think he's he's <laughs> going to be going back to England sometime in within a year. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree. I think, you know, Manchester City is an interesting one because, you know, 
I feel like Manchester City is so stacked with players. Anytime anyone's like, yeah, they're going to Man City. I'm like, well, who? you can only put 11 guys on the field. Where are they going to play? You know, mm-hmm. um, but you know he's young and is on is in really good form right now, so I think he would find a starting spot pretty pretty soon, especially since some of their other midfielders might be looking to offload to other clubs. Um, but speaking of Manchester United, Andy, you got a couple couple players, a couple strikers who are being linked to your club, Mohamed Kudus, mm-hmm. who played for Ghana, I believe, in the World Cup, and Cody Gakpo who played for the Netherlands, both had, had very good tournaments, especially Gakbo, who seems to be mm-hmm. one of the hotter strikers right now. Of those two, who do you prefer? And also of those two, do you think one or both of them will sign with your club? Yeah, this is this is very interesting uh, because I know one of the things about a being a United fan is whenever there is any sort of rumor about a top level player being on the market it seems that they're always linked with Manchester United in some <laughs> so way. <true. laughs> so sim- true. So similar to Barcelona where it's like, Oh my gosh, like um, who's someone's going to Barcelona. It could be Marcus Rashford. He might be going to Barcelona. It could be uh, he's going to PSG. So like PSG, Barcelona, all these big names, even Real Madrid, um, Bayern Munich, they always get mentioned for places. Um, I'm actually looking at uh, transfermarket.com, uh, looking at these players and where their kind of main positions are. And it's interesting because none of their um, starting positions are strikers. And I mm-hmm. do know that the club has given indications, Manchester United, that is, has given indications that with Ronaldo's uh, departure, they are looking to fill in with a striker and potentially offload a right back. Um Understanding is that the right back is going to be Aaron Wan-Bissaka, uh, as opposed to Diego Delo, and they're going to try to find a striker. Of the two, this is such a good question. So according to transfermarket.com, uh, it looks like uh, Kudus is a attacking midfielder in mm-hmm. that mold. So less of potentially a center forward, more of an attacking midfielder who could play up at the top. Um and then we have Cody Gakpo, who plays as predominantly a left forward. Um, there are many places United can always improve. The two places they don't need to improve <laughs> are their attacking <laughs> midfield and their left wing. So potentially having to shift someone out to the left. Um, I think of the two, Gakpo probably makes the most sense given the connections yeah. with um, not just uh, – Ajax, or because he doesn't even play for Ajax, he plays for PSV Eindhoven. Uh, but I think seeing how he played under Louis Van Hall and how he is more can be adept to moving to different positions, I can see that happening. Uh, if I could say no to either of them, I think I would because I would rather for United to have a solid uh, target man striker. Is that's the individual we need to? I think need to go for to give. That's a new dimension if, for example, uh, Ansi Martial uh, isn't having his game where he's able to stretch a little bit of the game, stretch the defense, that we need to just have a big, almost a big goon to hot crosses up to who can hold up play. If we could get Olivier Giroud, that would be, that <laughs> I'd be over the moon uh, for that. But both are, both are worthy of getting, or worthy of being nominated to move on and have their stock rise and to make a, uh, 
a name for themselves at a different club. I'm just hoping it's not necessarily United because I don't think we necessarily need them to fill a yeah. to fill the role we need. But could yeah. be wrong. I know Kudus is no, I, uh, Everton's tracking them as well. So happy yeah. for Everton. Happy for Everton to get get kudos. <laughs> yeah, and Gakpo Ten Hag loves him, and I don't. Mm. I don't think you're going to get your wish. I think Manchester United is going to sign Gakpo in this transfer window because Ten Hag really likes him. The only problem is, is I agree with you. I don't think he fits the Manchester United system right now for the players that they have, and. You know, when you were talking about a big striker to get on the end of crosses, I was thinking of the meaty forehead man himself, Olivier Giroud, as well. <laughs> so <laughs> you really can. He is a very attractive man. I kid you not. However many times I showed like friends and family like why to watch soccer, if we showed the French team, everyone was mentioning like, "Oh my gosh, this is a handsome fetch of the French team." Like, look at Olivier Giroud, and it's like you can't get him out of your mind. It's he's he has that effect. <laughs> Well, we gave him so many kudos a few weeks ago that yeah. <laughs> it's not a surprise that we're smitten with him. So, right. yeah, yeah, you probably can't see him from the amount of kudos that we gave him. He's just, like, drowning in him. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, I mean, he was another hot player from the from the tournament, um, and not just physically attractive. I mean, from his play on the field as well. <laughs> so, well played, Paul. Thank you. Well played there. I love that. But, yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see if he has a move, you know, Basically, mm-hmm. someone who's in the twilight of his career, and everyone thought, "Oh, he's just going to fade into the into the sunset," you know. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I think there would be a lot of surprises this transfer window. But um, you know, kind of moving to to Barcelona's targets. I know as far as offloads that they're looking to do, they were trying to offload Memphis Depay, someone who has been clearly unhappy with his backup role, someone who thinks he is a world class player and wants to start somewhere. And, and a rapper. He, he thinks just, he is a, a good rapper. Yes. Yes. <laughs> do, do you know that's, um, do you know the story? Have you heard his, heard his single that he released? No. I did not okay. know that he released a single. You'll have to send me well, something after yeah, the show. Honestly, don't, but. <laughs> okay. Just, I just want you, I just want you to know that for your own sake. No, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It seems like all the uh, NBA players are coming out with their, their singles and albums. And now some of the, the soccer players are getting into it too. So yes, but, exactly. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's, I think looking to, to leave. I don't think Chavi really likes how he plays. I, as a Barcelona fan, don't really like how he plays. Um, mm-hmm. He's not someone who gets in the box and scores those ugly goals like Lewandowski. He kind of plays more of a one, two pass off style, but isn't, as clinical in finishing as I'd like him to be. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'd like him to find another home and hopefully clear up some cap space for some other players that Barcelona are trying to sign, such as Bernardo Silva from Manchester City. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think Barcelona are looking for someone to kind of bring in the mix with Gavi Pedri, someone to replace, or I should say take uh, Busquets' spot, because Busquets, as I've mentioned many, many, many times before, has passed his prime and is not helping Barcelona a lot of these times in these counterattacks that they're facing defensively and just in his defensive work. I mean, he can ping the ball around as well as anybody, but, you know, he can't really run as well as he could in years past. So someone to kind of take that role a little bit. Um, and I think Frankie de Jong is, is excellent, is an excellent midfielder and he showed it in the World Cup, 
as well as in, in league play earlier this season, but he's more of an attacking midfielder. He loves to take balls and run at defenses and play those through mm-hmm. balls to the strikers like Dembele, Rafinha, uh, Fernando Tonales, uh, <laughs> and, and Robert Lewandowski. So, you know, I think they're looking for that, that defensive midfielder. Um, and Bernardo, Bernardo Silva could be a, a good replacement for him, but you know, he's also 28. So it's not a, it's not a young replacement. So I don't know. We'll see how that goes with that. And then, mm. uh, I like how you mentioned Diego Dallo earlier because guess what? Mm-hmm. Barcelona has been looking for a right back for pretty wow. much a year at this point. And guess mm-hmm. who has one? Manchester United, hey, come on down, come on (laughs) down. No, no, don't take him, no. (laughs) So I want to hear your thoughts on this because, you know, you mentioned Juan Basaka because they've been kind of having a position battle so far this season and Dalo seems to be like he's been in pretty good form and had been taking Mm. some starts from Juan Basaka. So what what are your thoughts on this as a Manchester United Yeah, you are being, I would say you're being very kind to Aaron Juan Basaka and calling this a battle because (laughs) I think... This past game against Burnley was Aaron Juan Basaka's first start, if not because of and not because of injury. If Diogo Dello had an injury, um, I think it was. I think there's a story, and I could be completely making this up, but there's a story going around that like um, Eric Ten Hag when he first saw Aaron Juan Basaka and seeing him play in the build-up, he was like, "Yeah, we're not having you play right back because <laughs> he just <laughs> didn't have the technical skills." However. He had yeah. a cross, which was an amazing assist for our first goal uh, against Burnley. So whether that's him trying to cement his place in United or if that's him saying, hey, let me try to show I still have something in my locker for a team that might be looking for me. Uh, not not exactly sure. So yeah. I would love to hear from Diogo Dallo's perspective on if he wants to wants to leave for Barcelona. Yeah. For certain individuals, getting the chance to play for Barcelona is the dream. So I would completely understand if he does leave. Uh, I would just be very, very sad because he is now looking like the player that we bought under Jose Mourinho will be promised as this next, the next great right back. Um, not that he is great, but he is showing that he is being solid. He's being more consistent and that's what we wanted out of him. So. If Diego Delo does go to Barcelona, you're going to get a very, very uh, competent and now resurging confident uh, right back uh, to help in your in your possession style and someone that can play as a inverted fullback and do a pretty pretty good job there. So that's yeah. that's my thoughts. But I guess from your perspective, what do you like about Diego Delo? Do you think he fits in? Do you think it's even going to happen? for Barcelona given their uh monetary troubles. Yeah, I mean, I <clears throat> like you've said solid, right? And that's really all Barcelona is looking for, you know. We're looking for someone just to kind of shore up that right side to go up against people like oh my gosh, and I'm blanking on his name. The guy, the attacker from Real Madrid who's a Brazilian, Vinicius Jr., there it is. Mm-hmm who, you know, has caused trouble for Barcelona, guys like that, you know, because a lot of teams now are, I feel like more teams are attacking down the left side than the right side. You know, teams like Real Mm -hmm. Madrid, teams like PSG with Mbappe, Mm -hmm. they're finding success attacking down their left side, the defense is right. So I think a right back is a really important position and Barcelona's just been, you know, 
<laughs> throwing bubble gum and duct tape at that spot, you know, putting <laughs> someone like Jules Kounde in there, who is a traditional center back, even though he did play right back for, for France during the, the World Cup. But, mm-hmm. you know, they've just been f- trying to find something that works. They put Sergio Roberto there, who has played for them in the past as a right back, but he's more of a defensive midfielder, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, just someone who's solid. And it, like you said, some players' dreams are to go play for clubs like Barcelona, Real Madrid, PSG. I mean, even Manchester United. So this would be kind of a lateral move in, in my mind. But it'd be interesting to see where his thoughts are. And, you know, you have to take into consideration he would be moving to a team that has a chance to win a league title this year, right? Where yep. Manchester United has a chance but, you know, isn't top of the table. Mm-hmm. So that's something to take into consideration. Barcelona may or may not be champ- be playing Champions League football next year depending on how they do in their league since they dropped to the mm-hmm. Europa League. So, you know, be really interesting to see what happens. Also, it'd be an interesting story if he does go to Barcelona since Barcelona and Manchester United are going to play in the Europa League coming up here very in a few so. weeks. Yes. That'd be an oh, interesting yes. storyline. So very, you know, very interesting storyline. And I think it's, it's funny you mentioned when you mentioned Kunde, cause I think one of the things we saw in the World Cup game is that Kunde is not a right back. When you put any tricky left winger like our Argentina did with Angel Di Maria, you do yeah. that. He's going to be put on, put on toast. Mostly this was yeah. Dembele against, um, uh, Angel Di Maria in the game, but still just having that right, having that right side where either there isn't the solid defense or there isn't that attack and knowing when to attack and when to push forward for your team. That's going to be very interesting. And so I'm wondering if Barcelona did see that in the French games and notice, oh, Kunde still is, he's not the right back solution. So maybe they do find something, uh, to, to supplant it. But knowing that that right hand side, which is Dembele, who also plays for Barcelona, and, and Kunde playing for Barcelona, those two on yeah. the right, they didn't win a World Cup together. I wonder if there's there's thoughts about can Barcelona win with those two together on the right hand side? So yeah, could it could happen? Yeah, yeah and I, I I agree with you. You know, I think Barcelona definitely looked at that and said. This is not the solution. And they knew it wasn't the solution. Like I said, they're throwing duct tape and, and bubble gum into that spot. And, you know, if Barcelona can find someone like Dello to, to take that right back spot and move Kunde to a right center back, you know, and then you have Kunde as a right center back, Araujo as the left center back, and between Jordi Alba and, um, oh, I forgot his name, the young Spaniard who plays oh. left back. Who I am oh, going okay. to? This is going to annoy me now. Okay, um, when you said young Spaniard, I thought Don Quixote because I wanted to be funny, but that's not <laughs> at all the case. That's well, supposed to laugh I when mean, I said I'm, I was trying to be funny. It wasn't I, funny, but, I, but thanks it, for the it, laugh. dude, it was not. It was not as bad as you thought it was. That was actually pretty good, <laughs> honestly. Um, Balde, that's who it is. Uh, Alejandro uh, Balde, um, who's I believe 19 years old. I think he's the youngest player on Barcelona's squad right now. You know, between those mm. two, you know, him and Jordi Alba taking up that left left back position. You know, and and Balde did look okay towards the end uh, of this, you know, first half of the season before the World Cup, playing that right back. He had more confidence going forward, even though he's more naturally gifted on the left side. 
So again, mm-hmm. that's something that could be looked at, but I think they need someone who is actually a solid right back to play that position. So, you know, again, I'm optimistic, especially if Barcelona can figure out their financial issues and mm-hmm. sign someone like Dello on that right side. Cause that's, that's, I think where they need help in these next six months, six, seven months. Right. So, Definitely. you know, again, I'm optimistic. I think Barcelona will do it. I'm, I'm putting more priority on Dello than Bernardo Silva because I think from a midfield perspective, Barcelona has enough to win the league this year. But if they don't get someone to take up that right back position, and if Xavi continues to play Sergio Busquets at that center defensive back position in these big games against teams like Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, I might lose my stuff, Andy. (laughs) Like you're going to get an angry phone call from me and it's not going to be pretty. I feel I'm going to get like Fernando toenails as toenails through the phones and through the microphone of you just throwing them all back at him for all his scuff shots and him trying to save Busquets, uh, who is just, uh, just too, is just his past his prime. One of the, one of the best yeah. defensive midfielders in the game, but right now yeah. he's looking like one of the slowest players in the game. So yeah. just might be, yeah. might be time to move. Yeah. So, definitely. Definitely. All right, Paul, looks like we're coming near the end of this podcast. And although there wasn't a ton of soccer, there were some games today. So I want to ask you if there is a super sub of the week that you had uh, in mind uh, that embodies the spirit of the super subs podcast. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to give it to the Algerian striker, Ryan Aitnori from the Wolverhampton Wanderers, who came on in the, in the 59th minute into a 1-1 game. Wolverhampton Wanderers looking to pick up some points against Everton here. And uh, former Barcelona boy Adama Traore gets on the end of a breakout counterattack play and with his speed gets down the right side, puts a beautiful ball in the box, takes a bit of a deflection, but finds Ryan in the box, slots it home in the 95th minute to score, win the game, winning kick, last kick of the game, 2-1 Wolverhampton Wanderers and picking up some points you know, and they're looking to to stay in the Premier League, avoid relegation. So it was really big for them, for sure. Yeah, much much needed from them as they as they struggle with uh, relegation potentially for them. Uh, but they found the uh, I would say the what's it the recipe that Morocco found in that always bet on North Africans. And so from Algeria, yeah. Ryan Atnouri always bet on the North Africans. I would say for 2023. So. They they got a spot on with their tactics there, so yes. amazing, amazing, Paul. So good to hear from you. Cannot wait to hear after a week of club football where our mental state is going to be at after having so much joy and um, joy and comfort in the past couple weeks for a Christmas. If that joy and comfort is going to change into agony and despair uh, in <laughs> the ne- in the next week. Uh, but for everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Paul has been Paul. I have been Andy. And I want to wish all of you listeners a grand big old bye. Bye.